0: Hello friends and welcome to District Dubs presents Listen Up with your hostess Shannon Early. That's me. Hey guys, so today is the first day that we are going to talk about some real stuff. I told you guys in my introduction episode how my husband and I have four children and two of those children have autism. It doesn't matter the level of functioning of these children. However, Suffice it to say, they have quite a lot of difficulty in their day-to-day life, which means my husband and I have quite a lot of difficulty in our So the issue today in our Social Issues Listen Up episode that I want to bring up with you guys actually involves people with autism and police response. I know that so many of you have heard of all of the different issues that are popping up the police system, or the desire for police reform. And one of the things that I don't think I've actually even heard on the news at all has anything to do with police reform and people with developmental disabilities. This, of course, includes autism. Now, I would like to also say that I come from a family of law enforcement, a long line of it, and I support the police greatly. I think that they are an integral part of society. I think that they're vital, and I think that they're important and that their job is something that is something I just can't even imagine it. So thank you for all of you law enforcement people out there. I really appreciate you. I see you. And I also want to say that as I'm speaking about this, I want you to put that, you know, bad guy police officer to the side, the guy that, you know, is a narcissist and loves himself more than anybody he has to deal with and doesn't actually care about the community or the people that's in it, the person that is there that hurts people. I want you to put that person aside. And as I talk, I want you to think about the good men and women, the ones that really do care about the society they live in, the ones that took this job. They took the oath because they wanted to make a difference. They wanted to protect where they live. They wanted to, Let their community have a sense of safety and a a sense of just well-being. Now, every police officer is trained in a certain way to handle situations. And one of the things that they say is that no police call is routine. So that's like one of the things they actually learn is that there's nothing routine about anything they're going to go do. Also, 80% of police calls actually are nonviolent. So 20% of those calls are the big, scary, holy cows, but 80% of them are the calls of really police having to do work that I don't even believe they should need to be the guys doing. You know, there's a domestic violence um, thing. Well, maybe send a police officer there, but also like a therapist because the police are not, they're not the person's counselor. I know that a lot of times they're put into that position, but we can go on a tangent for that another day, but I really do believe that. Police in general are good, and it stinks that there are so many situations that are affecting that reputation. However, it it does make me angry. I had made a podcast episode on my podcast, Nesting with the Early Birds, and it was actually about a teen with autism that was shot. Now, he was in critical condition, and he's alive now, but he was shot 11 times. He had no weapons. He was having a meltdown. And even though he was a teenager, you know, the kids get big pretty quick. And he was a teenage boy. Well, then I just found out that another person, another teen with autism actually, was murdered. He was killed. The police officers, once they got him in custody, they ended up kneeling on him for nine minutes. Not just that, the story is so gross because this teen was nonverbal which about 50% of people with autism are not verbal, which means they cannot let you know verbally what is going on, what are their thoughts, what they need you to do. So this child was nonverbal. He was quite large. You know, he was a big teen. And the mother, though, was a doctor. And so the son is freaking out. He's having a meltdown. And he ends up, like, hitting himself, which is actually a very common thing. For children with au- or people with autism, they will do what's called self-abuse. They will hit themselves. And generally, it is focused on themselves. But sometimes they can exhibit what kind of looks like tantrum behavior. Like if you've ever seen a one or two-year-old have a tantrum. And they can basically go off on the people around them. And really, it's not because they're thinking, I want to hurt this person. They're thinking, I want whatever the situation is to stop. And I'm going to do that by having a tantrum. So this... Teenage boy who's nonverbal was having a meltdown. He starts tantruming basically, bites his father and makes him bleed. So the company, I guess, asks the parents, Do you want us to call, you know, the police? And they're like, Yes, please. The police come. The teenage boy actually calms down because he ends up hitting the police officer. He also ends up biting the police officer, which, yeah, guys, that's a no go. That is a total no go. The police then, though, took turns kneeling on him for nine full minutes. And what stinks is that at one point, they felt his body go limp, and they rolled him on his side. And his mother, the teen's mother, was actually a doctor. And she said, hey guys, let me perform CPR on him. And they wouldn't let her near her son. And he passed away. And this was because he had a meltdown of being overstimulated while they were at laser tag. You guys, do you know how scary it is being a mother of children with autism? Do you have any idea? I have a son and a daughter, and both of them look very different to people on the spectrum. Both of them have oddities and quirks that can easily, you know, oh, this person just loves building, and oh, this person is just so tidy. But nobody really understands the day-to-day eggshells my husband and I need to walk, the routines that we have set in place just so that our children can function happily and comfortably and healthily. And you have to understand when people with autism, when something is disrupted, when there's a pattern they don't like in their life, whatever is going on in the day, when plans get changed, when there's something unexpected, it really can throw them for a loop. And you and I, or people without This type of developmental disability, you know, when we need to cope with something, we have anxiety. We don't normally start hitting ourselves in the head and rocking back and forth. We don't actually physically go run away from our house. We don't do those things. Maybe we pray. Maybe we have a pen and we keep, you know, popping the top off and (laughs) on. Maybe we call friends, whatever. Those are, or, you know, meditate, lay down, take a nap. Those are all coping methods that are socially acceptable. But people with autism generally don't have the right coping methods. It's really difficult for them, and especially when they're super stressed out. And that's when you might see somebody rocking back and forth, hitting themselves, talking to themselves, that kind of thing, biting things, swinging. Um, this is ways that they will cope. you know. And I had been in a store before where my daughter just was really upset about something and I think she was about five years old. She knocked over a display shelf as she was tantruming. I don't know if you guys know how embarrassing that is and like I said I have four kids and each of them uh the oldest is nine now but they're all two years apart. And so at the time they were all really, really young. And she knocks over this display case and everybody's staring at me like I'm this terrible mom. And I wanna say my daughter has autism, but I also don't want to yell that out and you know make her feel bad. So I scoop her up, I pick, I throw her in the cart, I pick everything up, and I just pieced out of there. I was done. But you know, she was young. As my children grow, they only get stronger. Their tantrums may not be as frequent, but they're definitely larger. And my husband and I both have thought, what are we going to do when this person's older? You know, already, my daughter who's nine can physically overpower me Sometimes. And not even in, like, an angry way, but let's say we're wrestling or fighting. Whatever. She is wicked strong. She can lift things. I mean, that kid, she's a beast. And my son, who is seven, he's actually run away before. He has what they call wandering. And um, he's actually run away from our house. And I think about all these young teens with autism, these boys that have been shot. They've been shot for one. They were wandering. They had a meltdown. Something upset them. So they wandered. They left their house with no exact idea where they want to go. They were just like, bye. And then they oftentimes get confused. They don't even know where they are, why they are. And sometimes they don't know how to respond to, you know, directions, whatever. And then these teens get into a lot of trouble. And the crazy thing, guys, is that, so the CDC says about 1 in 59 people have autism, which is a gigantic amount. It's a gigantic number, okay? Because there are so many people with autism, that means they're all over the place. Every part of the world, there's going to be somebody with autism, which means that the police need to have a better understanding of how to deal with people like this. Yes, there's ways to, you know, deal with criminal threats and all this other stuff. The police need training so that when they see a person with autism displaying specific behaviors that are attributed to people with autism, the police need to step back. Maybe they need to have somebody to give them a phone call. You know, phone call like a social worker. I don't know. But let me tell you something. When somebody with autism is having a meltdown, the last thing you ever want to do is grab them and handcuff them. Or yell at them. Or point guns at them. Anything to escalate the situation is going to end poorly. And people with autism, you know, their, their time of cooling down, their methodology, mythology, what I don't know what the word is. Their way of cooling down oftentimes can take way longer than a a neurotypical person. And so, there might not be that patience factor there. The police might be like, "Alright, man, come on. Like, let's just get going. I'm done with this." But that person might need like an hour of being themselves to just chill out. And actually, Uh, You know, I think that police really do respond better with more information. I think that the smarter they get, the better they do. They don't like bad media, and they also don't want bad, you know, litigation stuff. And they also really do want to help people well. I think they want their calls to go smoothly. No police officer is like, today is the day I want to ruin my career, you know? Uh, There's actually this really cool guy. His name is Dennis DeBot, and he runs a something called autismriskmanagement.com. And it's pretty cool because he was a detective who had a son with autism and his son started behaving poorly in a store. The police came and started questioning the son if the dad was an abductor. And the dad kept saying he has autism and they wouldn't listen to the dad. They were questioning the son That is insane. And so he realized, whoa, this could be a real issue here. I need to train police officers on how to deal with situations like this. So the neat thing is that he ended up coming up with a little acronym on how to help people. And the FBI actually has a downloadable, you know, PDF file or whatever. It's like actually some. And they're talking about like, you know, what autism is And that they're saying that, you know, a lot of times the police are responding to orders. um, I mean, I'm sorry, responding to calls that have nothing to do with, you know, criminal activity. But the ways that they are trained to respond to those calls um, are basically the opposite of what they should do for somebody with autism. And it can really cause a lot of issues. So, for instance, one um, sentence right here says, Officers should not interpret an autistic individual's failure to respond to orders or questions as a lack of cooperation or as a reason for increased force. Which, there you go, I told you about the nine minutes on their back situation, you know. But also, it says that police, uh, people that are developmentally disabled, are seven times more likely to come in contact with law enforcement. Seven times times more likely. Why are we not hearing about this? Why are we not hearing about the people with special needs who need help, who need to be responded to in a much better manner? It tears me up thinking that my children could be shot because they're having an anxious moment and they're unable to follow commands and they're unable to understand what's going on and they get shot because somebody thinks that them tantruming is a threat to society. No, sir. No, sir, it upsets me so much. I'm sorry, I'm like yelling into the microphone. And you know what? That's my 15 minutes, which stinks. I could talk about this for days. So guys, I just want you to remember that um, I do think that the police are pretty great. But remember that there are people out there with autism and you can tell by a couple, you know, they have some tells. And if you see what's going on, if you really check out what's going on, you'll understand, okay, wait a minute. I think that there's some ways to respond to this that wouldn't be to somebody that's neurotypical. And I did just want to take this last minute here to read the acronym of autism on how they, him, Dennis DeBot, and the FBI got together and decided how police should respond to an individual with autism. That way, if any of you are police enforcement officers, anything like that, maybe this will help you just a little bit. So, A, approach, oh gosh, my phone, not my phone, I mean my computer is being a silly, ah, oh good gracious. Okay, approach the person in a quiet, non-threatening manner. Because autistic persons, which this was obviously written some time ago because It's people with autism, so I'm going to just change the words around as I go. Okay. A. Approach the person in a quiet, non-threatening manner. Because people with autism may be hypersensitive to stimuli, officers should attempt to avoid quick motions and gestures that an autistic person may perceive, even remotely, as threatening. U. Understand that touching the person with autism may cause a protective fight-or-flight reaction, Officers should never touch a person with autism on the shoulders or near the face. People with autism hypersensitivity includes being touched and even extends to invasions of their personal space. T. Talk to the person in a moderate and calm voice. Although officers may have to repeat their directions or questions several times, they should be patient and wait for answers. Speaking loudly will not help and may even be viewed as threatening. I. Instruction should be simple and direct with no use of slang. A person with autism will take an officer's statements literally. Do you think that's cool? Or, up against the wall! Probably will cause confusion and result in an inappropriate or unexpected response. Officers should use specific commands such as stand up or go to the car now to reduce the chance of confusion. S. Seek all indicators to evaluate the situation as it unfolds. And finally, M. Maintain a safe distance until any inappropriate behaviors lessen, but remain alert to the possibility of outbursts or impulsive acts. Thank you very much, everybody. This is Shannon Early for Listen Up from District Dubs. All right, guys, I'll catch you later. Thank you so much for listening.